If your friends and family are holding you back from unlocking your true potential, if you believe that you have been wasting your God-given talent and want to make a change, then stick around because our next guest is going to show you how to create an environment where you can be and thrive at your authentic self. As Christians, we were taught to be good stewards over our tithing and giving to the less fortunate. But when it came to our own personal finances and investments, we are clueless in what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about managing debt, leaving a legacy, investing, or even planning for retirement? We answer these and many other questions because we want to teach you how to be rich and righteous. If this is your first time to the show, we want to say welcome. If you're coming back for another spiritual refill, Welcome back. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and this is Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. On today's episode, we want to explore the power of the mind. We must understand who we are today is an accumulation of the choices and the ideas we had and continue to have about ourselves. At the moment, you may be going through some difficult situations with work, your marriage, or life in general, and you can't seem to get on your feet long enough to make any progress. But don't worry, because we are bringing on a special guest that is going to provide you some techniques and some solutions to help you get started back on your journey to success. We'll talk about the mindset that is stopping you from being rich, copying culture, vulnerability and transparency, and finally, how you can change your life today so stick around until the end because we have something very special for you. But before we begin, let's go over today's scripture. It comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In this scripture, it speaks of the renewal of the mind. God knows that it is through the training of the mind that lives are changed. If you've been struggling for five, 10, 15, or even 20 years, it is okay because the scripture says, it is through this testing that you come to understand what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Our next guest put it perfectly. There is power and profit in mistakes. So let's pray for this episode and get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to come together and praise your name. Many of us are going through trials and tribulations right now, and it is through your grace that we are delivered. I want to pray for our guest today as she shares her story of tragedy and triumph. As always, guide our thoughts, control our hearts, and open our minds to the good and the conversation. May the listener take what resonates with them and forget the things that don't as they work to strengthen their own lives. All these things we ask in your name, amen. She's a certified high-performance coach, best-selling writer, health junkie, freedom lover, wife, mommy, and an unsinkable optimist. Ladies and gentlemen, let's all welcome Kimberly Spencer. Hello, Kimberly. Hi, A.B. It's so great to be here with you. I have to say that was like one of the most epic intros I've ever had. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you know, it, we, we finally made it. And, and I want to, you know, first and foremost, thank you, Kimberly, for making room on your busy schedule as our initial meetings had to be rescheduled due to a time conflict. Uh, my wife was scheduled to go into surgery and I want to make sure that I was there for her. But by the grace of God, 
we are here and everything happens on God's time. So I'm going to maintain a spirit of gratitude and appreciation for you being here. Well, let's get right to it. Is that okay? Uh, that's totally fine. And I, it's just like I told you earlier, I said, I was told very early on by a coach, like you never have to apologize for making your kids, your family a priority. And for me, that family is my, one of my, it's my highest priority and showing up to serve them. I honor the fact that you showed up to serve your wife so powerfully. Well, thank you. Well, that shows a lot about you because here we want to show respect for people's time. You know, as a coach, you understand that, is that your time is very valuable for you to come here for to share 30 minutes, 45 minutes for our listeners to get some of the information it took you years to accumulate. We want to show our appreciation and we want to respect every second that you give us. Okay. So, I mean, even the, the introduction, I think it's great. And I went over maybe four different introductions for you and your story is so deep and profound. I didn't think that I would be able to do it justice. So I thought I will allow you to share it. So can you start off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I my path was not quite linear. Um, I had several different careers. I always thought I was going to have a career in entertainment in Hollywood. I, that's what I initially set off to do when I graduated high school. I went off and I started acting and screenwriting. God just opened doors consistently that were in alignment with my curiosities. I started out in acting and screenwriting. It evolved into also having a 12-year career teaching Pilates because I needed a bridge job to support myself. And and that was a blessing because it also helped me overcome a 10-year battle that I had with bulimia. I got to heal my relationship with my own palace, as I call it, or as the Bible calls it, your temple. Like I got to heal that relationship and and really honor the palace that I get to be blessed in on this earth. I, get, I got to serve others in supporting them to do the same through my career teaching Pilates. And then I had the opportunity to jump in an e-commerce company that was taking a product to market to serve in helping them relieve back pain. And I was a part of that company for two years and I was blessed to learn a lesson that I didn't like at the time learning. Cause like you said, <laughs> we go through these tribulations and trials. Like I did, believe me, I did not like having 10 years of bulimia. I did not like going through a buyout with a whole bunch of attorneys that made me question everything about myself, my, uh, my age, my experience level. I've always been very audacious with my career. When I wanted something, I would go for it and I would just make the ask. But after going through that experience of being bought out of my company, I realized that I had started my company, Crown Yourself Coaching, that I wanted to be a holistic picture, helping teach my clients the principles of ownership, conscious leadership, standing out authentically. But meanwhile, I didn't know who I was. Like I felt like a failure. I felt like a fraud. I felt like an imposter. I doubted myself every step of the way. The beautiful thing was, is that those were not the first times I'd struggled with that. I struggled with imposter syndrome, perfectionism, not enoughness, and all those beliefs as a child growing up in a home with an addict. And I used to use stories to escape from that environment. I realized that just as I had done with my relationship with my own body and my recovery from bulimia, I had to recover and heal my relationship with both business and money because they mirrored each other. 
I realized that. And fortunately, I found out I was pregnant, which was the little spark that changed <laughs> everything because I, I knew <laughs> that the person who I had become, because I started my business, Crown Yourself, in uh, late 2014. The divine download came on my honeymoon while talking with my husband. We were we signed the buyout agreement three weeks before I got married. We jetted off on our honeymoon. And I was like, what do I do when we get back? <laughs> like, I don't have a job. <laughs> I don't have a source of income. We brainstormed together, you know, like you do on your honeymoon. I, I suddenly thought, you know, I loved health. I loved fitness. I loved helping people. I loved writing. I loved produ production. I loved, I loved being the star in essence on like being on shows. And I said, crown yourself. And my husband's like, what's that? And I right. said, it's the name of my company. And he said, <laughs> okay, what do you do? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, I help people have like holistic success. But for a year and a half, I made no money in my business because I spent that time doubting myself, dabbling, complaining, and doing all of what I call productive procrastination, which are all those safe little business building things like designing a logo and a website and like posting on social media, but never actually having an offer and actually selling my services and actually packaging that offer into something that could be of value to somebody else. I didn't know what problem I was solving until I found out that I was pregnant. And then I was like, oh, the problem that I'm solving is the one I'm currently struggling with. Right. Being uh, blaming my, I, I was still in a space of I was blaming my former business partner who was in a total victim mindset. I was in a space where I was just negative and complaining and I felt ashamed and I had so much guilt for feeling like I lost my business, guilt for where I was financially. And then suddenly, you know, throw a baby in the mix and you like, when you feel like you're drowning. And I was like, okay, this person of who I had become, I knew it was an, a, an identity crisis and a mindset shift that needed to happen. I also knew that I could do it because I'd done it with bulimia. I'd overcome bulimia with no psychological or medical intervention. I'm not a doctor, so I don't recommend doing that, but I did it. And I also knew that I had a nine month deadline because baby. So, <laughs> so I, I immediately hired a business coach. I, I got certified in neurolinguistic programming, timeline therapy, and hypnosis. So deep subconscious mind work, because I knew it was a mindset shift that I just needed to make. And within a few months of getting those certifications, going through the training, working with a coach, started to um, make income so much so that I quit my teaching job, teaching Pilates on the side. I went off and I just said, I was like, I'm going to build this company. And I, I was able to do so. And it's been a beautiful journey. We just got back from living literally our dream in Australia and having another baby while over there. We got pleasantly stuck there and yeah. turned a <laughs> pandemic into a wonderful blessing that was always the vision that my husband and I had for our family was learning abroad and having them learn about different cultures living abroad. So it's it's been a great journey. And I've been able to bless so many clients and transform so many people's stories and businesses. And none of my clients during COVID and the pandemic lost their business. They all were able to pivot and shift and transition into thriving. And so it's it's been a wonderful journey. Well, that's a beautiful story. I kind of want to break that story down. There's a lot to break down and we'll kind of take it piece by piece by piece. Yeah. But one of the underlining themes that I'm hearing is fear. We talked about the codependency, we talked about reflection, you know, the enoughness, the escapism, perfectionism, right? I don't know if I want to redo that. Perfectionism. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I still suffer from it a little bit here. You said it breaks down to fear. Fear of what? 
So can you elaborate on what is that fear that you were running from? Because you called it productive procrastination. Was it fear of interaction? Was it fear of success? Was it fear that maybe you would fail? Probably all of them, honestly, either motivated by fear or by love. And it's not saying that fear is a bad thing, like when you're running away from something that you don't want. Like if you're running away from being in an abusive relationship or from a toxic corporate environment and you want to like go run away as hard as you can, you can hit the gas pedal and drive really fast while looking in the rearview mirror, like because you're trying to escape that thing that you don't want. But eventually there's only so far and so fast that you can drive while looking in the rearview mirror. Eventually you have to turn your gaze on something that is long-term, that is love, that is vision, faith, courage. And that is where the shift comes in, in your subconscious strategy of how you operate. And I think that's so very important, right? To break down that duality, because you're right. There's people who would run away from things. They are very, risk adverse and there's those who are excited about new adventures let's do it let's you know we're gonna make a million dollars we're gonna have a boat we're gonna have a, we're gonna be millionaires and that's what drives them right and so we always say that a lot of people they're either trying to obtain happiness or they're trying to avoid pain mm -hmm. we have to identify who we are first so we can make that shift because sometimes it's even dangerous to just keep driving forward without looking in your rear mirror as well there's a balance there Right. And I see that with finances as well. We see people who are afraid of markets. We see people who are afraid of being successful. You would be surprised of the excuses that I hear. Well, I don't want to make a lot of money because then my friends will be jealous. Really? You are afraid to take care of your family because of what your friend down the street is going to say about you. Is that really Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious about the, the state of that friendship. Right. Is it really? Is that is really, really a friendship? Exactly. Is it really what's holding you back? We had a Brocket guest on our show earlier. She talked about the pleasure ladder. She said there were five rooms. The bottom was physical. So that's food, you know, exercise, things of that nature. The second room is meaning. Third, love. Fourth, creativity. And five, transcendence. And I thought it was very important to identify that because in your story, you were a Pilates instructor. You fought bulimia, but once you found something that was meaningful, like a child, something that you can love, and a job that you can express yourself creatively, you transcended in happiness and you overcame that bulimia. As we said, we're not doctors. We're not prescribing the pleasure ladder to overcome <laughs> bulimia. Please seek professional medical help. But what we want to identify here is that Kimberly found something within herself to help her get to another level and it took well, a lot the, of work yeah i think the big part was was actually service yes and and knowing what subconscious values drive you so integrity is a huge value for me it always has been and integrity i like to define integrity that you are who you say you are you do what you say you will when you say you will now are we perfect at that no we're human but 
because I was in a role, especially like back 15 years ago when I was struggling with bulimia and starting my journey as a Pilates instructor, um, I was in a role where suddenly I was being confronted with people who had body image issues, who had body dysmorphia, who had, who wanted to look a certain way, who wanted to lose weight. They were coming to me for advice. Now they, I wasn't going to give them nutrition advice, but I could give them advice on Pilates and like really in the process of what I could provide for them, I knew that process worked. I knew it because it had worked for me. I could provide them with that space. But then me going into the bathroom to go throw out my lunch, that's not really being an integrity. And so being in a leadership role, being in service, and then being in integrity with what it is that you say that you're preaching. And that was one of the biggest problems when I started my Crown Yourself business and why I made no money for a year and a half was because I was preaching the value of showing up authentically, of owning your story. And meanwhile, I wasn't owning my story because I didn't want to own my failures. I didn't want to own my mistakes. I didn't want to own the fact that I, I felt like I'd lost my business. Like I didn't want to own those truths. And so by trying to avoid them or escape them, it caused me to not be in, in integrity with the actual message of my business, which thus I wasn't in integrity with the message of my business, which means that the business kind of meant nothing, that it didn't make any money because I, like, it goes against one of my core values of having it be in integrity. Because if you're living one way, right, and but you're living under the illusion, I think Nietzsche talks about um, the shadow self. Right. We put up this this image of who we are to society, but deep down, we're just this different personality. Where did that come from? One of the things that I saw in childhood that was a high value for me um, that I think are I think as parents, we're blessed with the children that we need to remember who we are. Right. And for me, who my role was I challenged my dad's behavior. So I would see my dad going to church on Sundays, but then coming home drunk, yelling at his wife and his child and abusing them the other six days of the week. That was out of integrity for me. And that my little, you know, five-year-old self, <laughs> of course, challenged, because that's a smart idea with somebody who's inebriated, challenged my dad's behavior in the moment. Didn't lead to some good outcomes um, as a child, but down the road, I was the one who eventually staged my dad's intervention five years ago. And for the last four years of his life, he was sober until he passed. And that ability to challenge that those perceptions, that's always been something that I have had. When I see a system that's broken, when I see something that's not working, I will challenge what's going on and see how can we improve this? How, if this is not working, if this is not in integrity, if this is not serving the family, the community, the world, let's challenge that, let's disrupt it and find a solution that can work better. And that's that's always been kind of how my, my brain works. My desire for freedom probably also stems from my subconscious you know, childhood of the things that I picked up, of the desire to feel free and autonomous when I felt like I had to like try to control everything so that I could control this chaotic environment that I was living in. Our subconscious values are very much shaped by our childhood. And for me, those values of freedom and integrity and also my love of challenging really, really came, came out as a child. But then as I grew up, I learned that those behaviors were bad. Like those got, so we have those, 
innate values, but sometimes we forget them because of what I call plagiarized programming, societal programming saying, oh, this is how you should be. My love of challenging behavior um, was squashed for a while because I would receive consequences from my father from doing that. And I would see like my mom crying or like me, like getting yelled at and screamed at. And so I, I didn't, I, I would shut that part of me down. And I learned the, uh, the societal programming to try to adopt my behavior to please others. So I became a chronic people pleaser, the perfectionist who had to please everybody. And I was silently suffering with bulimia, which is basically the physical manifestation of I shoved all my emotions down and then eventually they would just explode. I think that's very powerful. I mean, your story, I could not imagine at five years old, having to go through what you went through. And I think it's very powerful that you be able to make it through to this point and to be able to reflect on it so authentically, put it that way. I think that's very powerful for all of our listeners. And I do want to touch on something here too, copy culture. You know, it's, a, it's traditionally a mutation is, is normally bad news. Copying is, is also the strategy of cultural evolution. And it's not just copying, but faulty copying based on misunderstandings, new interpretations, variations, and evolutions of ideas and concepts while they are introduced in this new cultural environment. And cross-fertilization, borrowing others' ideas and incorporating elements of others' works into one's own is crucial to cultural development. But in your case, you're the black sheep. But the thing is, it's a good thing. You're the disruptor. You're the person who's going to break that generational curse. You could have easily fell into alcoholism. You easily could have fell into being bulimic and stayed there, but you grew and you disrupted that change because you looked inside yourself, you changed your mind and you were able to change your outcome. We talked about that earlier. If you change your choices, your outcomes are going to change. I was in public relations years and years ago. And the idea is garbage in, garbage out, meaning you're only going to produce what you put in that quality. And listening to you, I'm lost for words. A lot of my listeners know I am rarely lost for words, but I love everything that you're doing at this moment. The way that you are embracing your lifestyle, the way that you're able to articulate your story, and the way that you're able to empower yourself, even being true to your life experiences. You know, that role of copy culture being able to adopt things that are positive and incorporate them in your life, even though at the time you're going through a lot of trials and tribulations, you found the good and tried to bring it into your life. And I think that's very important. Well, I think that comes from the deep-seated belief that I had to cultivate. Because for a while, I, I wanted to be in a mindset. I was in a complete victim mindset. Mm -hmm. I blamed my dad for everything. And I had to realize eventually that it was never my dad shoving my finger down my throat. I had to take ownership and responsibility that that was me. And the responsibility conversation is not a pleasant one. It is an ugly one that we don't like to face. <laughs> like We don't want to face it. But at the same time, it's the one that's going to set you free. And it's it's the one that when you when you actually take ownership of your own actions and you look at how did that happen for you? How is that the best thing that ever happened to you? So to give you an example, and I'll give you a very specific one. I was in a room full of 2000 people. And because of what I grew up with, I have like this spidey sense where I can kind of 
read people very quickly. And I've noticed that with pretty much every child who's, who's a child of an addict. They have a very quick ability to read someone. And so I, we got into this group of, of five, six people, and um, we were supposed to uh, share what was one of the most challenging experiences that we'd ever been through. Like share the most challenging one in all your life and be very open and transparent with this group of strangers. Fortunately, I knew a couple people, <laughs> but I'm very open Amazing. and transparent. And I, I shared along with several others about the sexual abuse I experienced as a child. And that suddenly this one guy, I'd seen him from across the room and I said, hey, you need to be in our group. And I don't know why. It was a total like God moment, intuition, just, I just saw him. Hmm. And I was seeing him as we were all sharing our stories. And I looked at him after I shared mine. And it was in that moment that he came out and shared that he had been raped as at 11 or 12 years old that moment freed him and he was able to own that story and so me and a, another one of the coaches because it just so happened of course that two of the other people who were in a group also shared their experiences of sexual abuse and me and another coach we took him out and let him process and we just kind of coached him through not going through the why not going into the therapy side because that's not my realm but we coached him to look at like what the potential for his life could be now that he was had had been able to free himself from the secret and i didn't know this until literally six months ago when we had a conversation i just have always kept kept an eye on him and he's he's like you've changed my life it was after that experience that i i said we coached him through we talked with him i stayed in touch with him over the years um but after that experience in the the event, um, I was going down the escalator and I said, I need to call my dad. And I called him and I said, dad, I think we just saved a life. And he said, this was my, my dad was two years sober. My dad had also experienced sexual abuse from his uh, mother. And like, that's, that's the thing is hurt people hurt people. And it's why they call it a cycle. And I said, I feel like, I said, I feel like we saved a life. And my dad said, why? And I explained to him and I said, I just want to say, like, I know what you did still haunts you and that you're working on forgiving yourself, but I, you already know that you have my forgiveness. And I think that because I went through that, I think, I think we saved a life. And I said, I don't know how, I don't know why. And since then I've seen this gentleman's like Facebook profile page, his smile is so glowing now. It's amazing. And he just shared with me six months ago, and this might like my dad passed earlier this uh, last year. And he said, Kim, I want to let you know, I was planning my suicide for that night. And so when he told me that, I, I just, I knew, I knew that everything I'd been through, and everything that the generations that my, my family had been through, like the generational trauma, I knew that it stopped with me, and I also knew that everything in my life has happened for me, has happened so that I can serve. And a majority of my clients, many, 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 have had multiple different types of abuse from their childhood. And it's because I went through what I went through that I can serve. Like I said, as we transform by the renewal of your mind, that yeah. by the testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good, acceptable, and perfect. If you didn't go through that, you wouldn't be able to discern. I do want to point out an element that people who 
are victims of abuse can identify those shifts very quickly for one reason, one reason only, survival. When you're dealing with somebody who is under the influence of drugs or somebody who's under the influence of alcohol, you have to know those small shifts that may trigger them into something a lot greater. If you're just happy-go-lucky, everything's good, you don't have to worry about those subtle looks, you know, the cringing of the eyes or maybe the, the crinkle in your lips. You don't have to look at those things. So I'll, I'll tell you something else. Do you know how the federal government retrains people to recognize um, money that's fake, fake money? Do you know? No. Very simple. They have them handle real money. The more that you handle real money, the easier it is to spot fake money. So as you dwell around people that have been through these experiences, you know who's real, who's not, who is, who is giving authentically, who's not because you're in those situations. You can relate to them. So anybody who's listening right now, that spidey sense that she identified is true. You develop this sense by being around individuals and consuming information that aligns with that thought pattern. Your, your neurons in your body all align with your thoughts. Every new thought goes through and permeates your cells, your being, your thought process, your imagination, anything that you can think of the TV that you watch, the, the music that you listen to, all comes in to digest. Mm -hmm. Now, we need to take a break. Um, we have a, a very great conversation, but if you're just joining us, you're in for a surprise, so I want you to rewind. So if you fast forward to this part, I want you to rewind to the beginning because you're not going to know what we're talking about if you come in this sentence. But we'll be back soon with more from Kimberly Spencer after the message from our sponsor, AB Ridgeway Wealth Management, providing investment advice from a biblical perspective. Struggling with your finances and looking for an advisor that shares your faith and not just your zip code? Be sure to schedule your free consultation at www.abrwealthmanagement.com backslash consultation. Um, if you love the podcast, for sure, you'll also love our Faith and Finance blog that releases new posts every Tuesday and Thursday where you can find more articles on faith, finances, and how to avoid some of those financial pitfalls so you can retire and stay retired happily ever after. Just go to our website, click on Christian Media, and you'll have access to all the resources we provide for Christian investors like you for free. Um, before we get back to the show, let me just say, make sure you also follow us on all of our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and YouTube. Just Google AB Ridgeway Wealth Management or check the description below and all links will be provided. Um, keep checking back because our merchandise store is coming soon. Well, welcome back. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Kimberly Spencer, certified high performance coach, best-selling writer, health junkie, freedom lover, wife, mommy, and an unsinkable optimist. We have had a great conversation up to this point, and now I want to go deeper. Yes, we can go deeper and we will into the mind and speak about the power of choice. Kimberly, before the break, shared a very intimate, very transparent and very vulnerable story about her situation, her father, and a life. Now, I want you to take that story and understand that she is sharing it so maybe she can save another life as maybe you can save another life in another. And if we have time, we would like for her to kind of break down those crown jewels of the crown yourself coaching, which I think are going to be at the core of our discussion. So first, 
Let's talk about the power of choice and regaining your control. So at what point were you able to gain your control back? When you shift your environment, like you mentioned, the podcast you listen to, the TV shows you listen to, the music you listen to, when you change your physical environment of how what you're consuming, what you're absorbing, even moving to a new location, traveling, that's one of the reasons why I love travel, it changes your perspective. And when you can look at a, a belief, an opinion, an experience from a different vantage point, it changes how you see it. So just a simple belief change of looking at everything happening to you to everything happening for you that changes the whole dynamic of how you see that experience it changes the lens it's almost like if you're walking around in sunglasses and you're outside and then you take them off and you are staring at the sun it's almost glaring at first it's like it's almost too much and so you may have to put the sunglasses on and and, and and allow your eyes to adapt little by little because it is a process. Because once you become aware of the fact that you have the power to choose your perspective, your beliefs, your habits, and I learned this as a Pilates instructor because I started to, I removed myself from the environment of my home that I grew up in, got my own apartment, and then I was teaching for 10 hours a day, 10 different people a day. So I was being exposed to 10 different belief systems and ways of survival. You see, because our brains aren't wired to thrive, they're wired to survive. And so we will adapt that programming to try to survive, but by changing the environment that you're in, you can see different ways, different perspectives and different possibilities for your survival. And so, for example, there was one client that I had saw that she was a mom of, of two and one on the way. She was a top lawyer at one of the biggest law firms in the world. She was just a rock star coming in and she had so much joy. And I was like, like, how? I wanted to learn from her. I wanted to get to like, how, have you always been this way? And it turned out she had a very similar childhood to what I experienced. And by, by seeing that, I was like, oh, possibility. You see, when you find people that are doing what you wanna do, who have what you wanna have, and who are being the way that you wanna be, that will give you some perspective as to lo looking to learn from those people because then you'll see what are the choices that they made along the way? What are the choices and how they think about problems? How do they think about, how do they experience emotions? That is a choice as well. It, these things can be trained. We just aren't taught in childhood and we kind of adapt by survival to, to pick up unconsciously what we learn from our childhood or what we learn from our peers in school versus understanding that you are not, you are the thinker of your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. You are the feeler of your feelings. You are not your feelings. And when you can see, oh, okay, this is how I normally react. Just being able to take that pause. I like to think it like being able to zoom out from an omniscient point of view. And if you were to look at the movie of your life being played in that moment where you're looking to like, let's say you regularly react to your children and you have the mommy, 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 and you just are like, you regularly feel those emotions of frustration. If you're able to zoom out and get that like omniscient point of view of like, what, what real, like, okay, this is how, it's kind of like being able to see a horror movie when you're like, don't go in that door, don't go in the door. 
And if you're able to have that zoomed out audience viewers perspective, no longer are you the one who's experiencing that. No longer are you the one who's thinking those thoughts that are then leading to the feelings that are then leading to that snap reaction versus when you're, when you're allowed to question it, you can then say, oh, but did you notice there's door number two over there that the monster isn't behind? And that allows you to then have that moment where you can question, is this the best way to react? How can I retrain myself to react to frustrating situations, situations that make me angry? The same is true, like if you're driving in traffic. And typically, if you look at your experience from that omniscient audience perspective point of view, if you're looking at your experience of driving in traffic, are you regularly angry? Are you complaining about it? Are you, you know, secretly posting on Facebook about, oh my gosh, how much traffic there is? Or if you look at it from that omniscient perspective, from that audience viewer, like, oh my gosh, she's complaining about that again? Oh, she's frustrated about that? Well, look, how could she be, how could she be, choose to be grateful? How could you choose to be thankful for the fact that you have a car or that you have money for gas? which ain't cheap these days, <laughs> like, or that you have, um, that, that you have the ability to listen to a podcast like this in your car on your commute, like, or that you're choosing just being grateful for the choice that you're choosing to listen to this podcast in this moment from wherever you are right now, that in itself is a choice that you are working to better yourself. It is a process and it, it is one of the most uncomfortable places when you move from that space of unconscious awareness, uh, lack of awareness, that unconscious incompetence, where suddenly you're aware of your power of choice. And then you're like, oh, crap, everything can be like, I can choose what to buy into, I can choose what beliefs I can choose what thoughts I have. But that's where the learning process gets uncomfortable. And that's where we go through that that conscious incompetence that for those of us who were raised always wanting to be perfect will feel wildly uncomfortable because that's where we are in that growth space of realizing that we make the mistake after we make the mistake and we're not aware of the triggers leading up to that mistake. So then we have to go back and kind of replay that situation in our mind of like, okay, what better choice could I have made in that moment? What could I have said to myself? What was I believing in that moment that made me react in that way? And then we start to question those experiences. So then we move through the learning process into the stage of conscious competence where you're catching yourself almost in the moment or right before we're like, oh, this is that space where I tend to like get really frustrated and blow up. Oh, okay. Let, what if I instead chose to take three deep breaths instead? What if I instead chose to remember that I love my children and that they're such blessings, even when they're screaming at me? Like, what if I chose instead to just be grateful for the fact that I have a car and that I get to listen to a podcast instead of just like sitting in silence by myself, even though, or maybe the choice is to sit in silence and maybe that's a better choice for you, but choosing to see how is this happening for my highest and best? How is this, this challenge, the struggle, this, these troubles allowing me to be in that fire transforming into the highest and best version of myself and using each moment to be a learning experience to see how is that happening for you and then challenging the thinking the beliefs and the feelings that you're experiencing to i don't want to get in the conversation here about free choice versus free will i know i have a lot of scholars out there that are ready to kind of get into the comments and have that discussion (laughs) (laughs) but to my understanding 
I feel that God is all powerful. He can make us do anything that he wants to. And I think at some point, God may have gotten tired of the fact that he can make angels bow down. He can make you do anything that you want. So what do you do? He says, if you truly love me, I'm going to give you freedom of choice. You can choose to love me or not. So when you do choose to love me, I know it's because of my glory. And I think that's very powerful. That true freedom is the freedom to choose. You bring up a great point as far as your environment. Your environment is going to set up your rhythms and your patterns and your subconscious. 95%, as you said on your website, 95% of our actions occur in our subconscious mind. When we are in certain environments, things are just natural. If you live in the West, traffic is natural. Going on green, stopping on red, slowing down, or preparing to stop on yellow is natural. Or speeding through. <laughs> or speeding through. <laughs> Those are naturals. When you change your environment, maybe in New York, you don't ride cars as much. You take taxis or Ubers, or you ride your bike, or you hop on the train. When I spend my time in Paris, um, the metro, the, the train was the most efficient way to get around. It was natural. Everyone had a metro car. Here in Southern Louisiana, no one has a car. My patterns have changed. I used to walk almost two, three miles a day just to kind of get to work. I don't have to do that in the West. Different environment, different patterns. And that's what I want you to pull out there as well. Also, she made a very great observation. And I say observation with intention. Because if you notice, Kimberly is a visualizer. Her words that she uses, zoom in, change your perspective, look at it this way. She is a visual learner. You may be auditory. You may like to listen to things, the sounds. The, when you're looking from the perspective of 10,000 feet up, as some of the Stoics may say, you may be thinking about a sound, a yell, a cry, things that have, go bang in the night. Those things may help you see things a little bit more clearly. And I think Kimberly does a great job of breaking that down and figuring out how do you learn, how do you adapt, and how do you grow, and how do you communicate? And when you identify how you see trauma, how you see past events, you're able to shift it in that direction. And I love that about her. So moving forward just a little bit, we're going to talk about the three key crown jewels and Kimberly's crown. Now, she didn't mention she loved princesses when she was growing up. But remember, why does she love princesses? She said that she fell in love with stories because it gave her an opportunity to go to a faraway land in her mind. So we can go to those places. And now she's living as a princess with two children, living her dream. So manifestation is real. So if you take anything away from our conversation is that if you stay true to your dreams, you stay focused, you can change your life even from the most traumatic experiences you've ever had. So let's start. Number one, I'm going to name them and Kimberly is going to kind of give you a brief synopsis of each one. So number one, eliminate the negative emotions and beliefs. Like A.B. said, 95% of our programming is subconscious. Negative beliefs like, 
I can't do this because of this um, negative uh, belief, self-limiting beliefs of like, if I need to have this before I can do this, um, I need to have a college degree before I can launch a business. I need to have this before I can do this. Um, all of those beliefs are stopping you from actually really achieving what it is that you want. And let me, let me quickly define the difference between an emotion and a feeling. A feeling scientifically and biologically lasts for 90 seconds. What we've been talking about for the most part, even though I've used feelings and emotions interchangeably, it are negative emotions. Negative emotions are kind of like, I like to picture a Jenga set. And you have a negative experience, it triggers something inside of you. And if you don't aren't able, if you don't have the tools yet to process those big feelings, or if you were taught as a child, like to just just rub some dirt in it, or just uh, just let let it go, like why like why why do you have to be so whiny about it? If you're taught uh, how to not process a feeling, most adults don't know how to consciously process a feeling. So you stop the feeling from fully expressing uh, biologically, and thus it, kind of, it stays trapped in your tissue, in the body, which is run by your subconscious mind. So, and so and that's how what, you fell victim to believe, correct? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, because I was repressing the anger and the rage that I felt for seeing hypocrisy in my home. And then it would just <laughs> out. It would just vomit out. Um, and I would blow up both in anger and anger at myself and anger at my own body um, and those emotions. And then we have this and then it kind of stacks on with additional emotions. And so what I use is a process called timeline therapy. It's different than uh, traditional therapy. It's combining neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis to use time techniques to be able to look at the, where you are in time in relation to that emotion and it basically topples the jenga set and so we topple the jenga set of those those emotions which sometimes can be a generational emotion because things are passed down generationally that's that's biblical and it's scientifically proven now with mice and fairy blossoms yes. because what the experiment was what they did with mice is trauma they had a, a mouse smell a cherry blossom and every time it would smell the cherry blossom they would deliver it an, an electric shock then they bred that mouse two times for two generations and they didn't give the deliver the electric shock to those following generations but whenever the the mouse the first generation after and the second generation after and then i think it's now up to five generations they smelled the cherry blossoms they would still exhibit the physiological same stress responses as if they had received the electric shock the same is true with any sort of emotional trauma physical trauma sexual trauma that gets trapped in the body and so being able to understand how to somatically process that um, through the body and so what I use is a combination of breath work timeline therapy and hypnosis and uh, I have had people some people say that hypnosis is not godlike and I I just want to point that out is that we are working with your subconscious mind and I cannot suggest anything in hypnosis that you wouldn't do. So, for example, we think of some people think of hypnosis and they're like, oh, she's going to make me quack like a duck. Yeah. Unless you want to be quacking like a duck, sir, I cannot make you quack like a duck. Right. Like <laughs> don't, don't don't worry. I have uh, my listeners are a different breed. Those who listen yeah. to me understand that I would never introduce them or won't give them clarity around a certain subject. Uh, hypnosis is the ability to bypass the conscious mind into the subconscious mind and really dig out your true feelings. Because just as she explained in neurolinguistic programming, we have to repress a lot of our thoughts 
to communicate. What I'm thinking is not what I'm saying, not because I'm hiding, it's because I have to delete some things because my thoughts are all over the place. I need to make sure that I'm talking to you, my audience. I need to make sure I'm talking to Kim. I can't think about the water that's sitting next to me, right? Even though that's information that's coming into my mind, I have to be able to filter those things out. So as far as hypnosis is concerned, it's just a technique to work with your subconscious mind so we can change some of your behaviors. Because if 95% of your behaviors are subconscious, changing your conscious may not make the biggest impact right away. But remember this, your conscious mind can affect your subconscious mind. If we become deliberate in our choices, we can change some of our subconscious behaviors. Because what happens is when the body realizes that a pattern is understood and easily accessible, it goes to what they call homeostasis. Your mind does not like to think. So if it's repetitive, and they know it's not going to cause any danger, it's going to put it into the subconscious mind. The reason why we don't think about how to tie our shoes anymore, but when we first started, we used to sweat bending over trying to tie it. So let's move on to number two, create high performance habits. So like you said, the conscious mind can impact the subconscious. So the habits are a result of the thoughts and feelings. If you look at the habits, meaning the patterns that you have on a daily basis that you put into practice, they can be negative habits and they can be high performance habits. So the habit that you have of rolling over out of bed, checking the phone, that is a habit that would probably be counter to high performance, most likely. So we look at what are the habits that are actually helping you create with consistency and using that compound effect, the life that you really want to create, giving you the peace, joy, fulfillment, happiness that you want to have in your life. And what are those habits that are of detriment? What are those habits that we need to reevaluate, pivot, maybe shift to a different time of the day, or change the disciplines around? Or do we need to rewrite the values around those habits? So for example, some entrepreneurs, because I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, have the habit of wanting, um, of not scheduling things. They don't they don't put things in the schedule because they started their business to have the, the deep-seated entrepreneur value of freedom. And so they try to get to their destination, flinging themselves off the cliff of freedom. <laughs> and they they're like they wonder why they don't land safe and sound and crash right. because right. to get to a destination, you need a system and you need structure. Things as simple as scheduling your personal life. Like that's one that I see a lot of entrepreneurs don't do because they schedule all their business meetings, but they're not scheduling their kids' basketball games or their kids' practices that they say they want to be it, but they actually don't put those in the schedule um, because the business is currently a priority. And so schedule will reflect your priorities and your values. And so a habit as simple as scheduling, a habit as simple as having a gratitude habit in the morning, a habit as simple as reviewing just three bullet points of what it is that you want to create the next day that are the most important things that if you get that day done, if you do just those things, you're golden and they'll catapult you far faster. When you train them with repetition, and this is why I work with my clients for three months to 12 months, because in that span of time, the amount of new habits that can be created 
12 new, like really rock solid habits, you will not be the same person in 12 months than you were when you first started. So creating those habits are essential to recreating and shifting the identity of who it is that you want to be. But they must stem from the deep seated subconscious values that you want to be having out in the world. So this kind of leads into our number three. So this is support your change and your growth. So once you eliminate the negative emotions and the beliefs, once you set up the high performance habits and you got rid of the negative triggers that may be triggering, maybe you got into the right environment, maybe you put your phone underneath your bed instead of putting it on your nightstand. Or in now the other room. <laughs> right, or the other room. Now for the support, your change and your growth. The support is really a, a, an overall uh support through the process so that when you hit those speed bumps because we all will hit them have the support to recognize what was the initial trigger that actually stopped you from doing that so like putting out the shoes right. um instead of like why did i not do that thing that i said i was gonna do because so that's such a broad scope of questioning and so being able to have the space the grace the awareness the perception and that support of having someone who has your back and who also is holding you into that higher standard because as a coach i'm not the one setting the expectations for my for my clients they are and so for example when one of my clients hired me he joked he said if i can get my plane at the end of this i'll know that this was worth it <laughs> and in 12 months he purchased his plane, plane. and but I also had to hold him to that standard. And so when certain experiences would happen or shifts in the business or things would happen, I would challenge certain parts of his perspective. Is this the person who has the plane? And so being able to have that support, have that person in your corner who's not only cheerleading you, because I do believe in the value of having a cheerleading squad, like have your entrepreneur friends who you can cheer on, who you can be a cheerleader for and who can cheer you on, who are going for a similar goal. A champion, someone who, who is championing you and challenging you, not everyone can do that. And sometimes the investment of paying for, for a coach or for a mastermind to support you in that realm, who will champion you, who will also make introductions for you and support you in building your support structure. So that's another piece that I do with my coaching is I consistently make introductions for my clients to podcasts for them to be on, to strategic partners that they can partner with, to other people, to potential clients who, uh, or colleagues of mine who I know could support them in one area that I don't serve them in. I am constantly making those introductions so that they can move as fast forward as possible as they want to and so that they have that momentum because like Tony Robbins says, money loves momentum. Money loves momentum. So money loves momentum. So as we as we prepare to close, I want to share a few things that you know I've come to understand with you and, and your business and things of that nature. Uh, give a chance for our listeners to kind of um, get my perspective here. But uh, you say about your relationships is if I feel after our call, you'll be better served by someone else. I will happily provide you with a referral. The last thing I want to do is waste your time or your money. And I think that's very important, especially for my listeners, because they understand what a fiduciary is. As somebody who is working in your best interest, even if that means you not working with them, you setting up the intention that this is going to be a relationship where it's going to be mutually beneficial, where they give you the call, they schedule it, and they're going to get some value out of your coaching experience, out of the relationship. Relationships don't work when they're only one way. You know, 
God can't just only love us and forgive all our sins, and we can't love God and represent him in everything that we do. And the cultural relationship is incredibly intimate. Um, you love your clients fiercely. You want to make sure that you serve them in the best way possible. And if that's fair, then the client can look forward to being supported in their new rise to rule. And I just think that was a very powerful statement um, about the relationship and what it really means. And our final point here is you talk about vulnerability and transparency, something that you obviously live because you're very vulnerable and you're transparent here. But the thing is, you said that you would never challenge somebody else to do something that you wouldn't do as well. So what you've noticed from working with high achievers from around the world is that the ones who have the most breakthrough leave nothing on the table. They lay it all out. They take action now. And I think that's very powerful as well. Because many of my listeners may be saying, well, why does she tell that story or why does she? I said, listen, she is being vulnerable and opening up her story so you can get the full idea. Because if she would have came onto our podcast and she would have said, I'm rich, I'm righteous, I've traveled the world, I have two beautiful kids, I have a thriving business, um, I know all about neuro-linguistic programming and, and I know how to change your life right now, you would, you would wonder, why did I have her on her show? You know, because it sounds like she's just being boastful. She's letting you know that she's an individual and she's a person as well that has her own shortcomings. So if you think that just because you've been unemployed for five years, if you think just because you start your business and you don't have any revenue, don't worry, she didn't have any for a year and a half. If you feel that you can't invest in yourself, she's letting you know you have to invest in yourself. Through the conversations, she said she sought out business coaches. So she's not telling you to do anything she hasn't done, but through her life experiences and her work and her certification, she's letting you know that she's there for you. And she's not there for everybody. So everybody who's listening, and I'm sorry, but she, she won't be able to take all of you, but she is able to work with those who are willing to do the job and take action now. Now, don't, don't feel like you have to correct yourself before reaching. Don't think you have to get yourself just perfect before you make that phone call. You make that phone call right now. And she will let you know if this is the right time or not. But the thing is, you have to take action. So I wanna thank Kimberly for coming on the show. We learned so much from you today. Can you take this opportunity to tell the audience where they can find you and they can learn more? If you love this conversation, if it resonated with you, <clears throat> If it's given you all the feels and a little bit of fear and a little bit of excitement and you want to take it a step further, then just head on over to crownyourself.com and click the button that says work with me. And I'm more than happy to have a conversation with you. Well, that's beautiful. Well, just to let you know, Kimberly, we are starting a new segment called Once in a Lifetime, where we ask our guests out of all the years of experience in life, what piece of advice would they be willing to share with our audience to save them those years of going through it themselves so they can be rich and righteous just like you? So give my one piece of advice, like your one, the, piece, the of one piece of life-changing advice. Yes. Shift your mindset from a to me to a for me. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you've been blessed. Don't worry, this may not be the last time that you hear from Kimberly. As many of our listeners know, that we are planning to have an end of the year reunion for all of our guests and have a roundtable discussion. So if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure that you send us an email at info at abrwealthmanagement.com and vote for your favorite guest. All links will be in the description below and we pray you continue to pursue your journey of being rich and righteous.
Hope that you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes that financial advice should have God in it. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. New episodes are available every Friday, so be sure to subscribe. You can also listen to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or simply visit our website and join our family. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. Elijah Ridgeway is an investment advisor representative and owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor which produces a podcast show and makes it available on his website and through other distribution channels. Elijah Ridgeway and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinion are not necessarily the views and opinions of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management. Nothing on the podcast should be construed as solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any specific security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management clients pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions and securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the Darnest Thing podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence.